We are in a series called Know the Why, and we're studying the book of Romans. It's an amazing book, and this morning's message is called Grace Amazing. Now, that may sound familiar. Let me say it a different way, Amazing Grace. Many of you are familiar with the hymn Amazing Grace. Well, John Newton, who penned the, the hymn Amazing Grace, he used to be a slave trader, wasn't a nice guy at all. And he had a a radical conversion to Christ. He changed his whole life. In fact, he became a pastor. It's just an amazing story. And for 40 years, John Newton pastored. At the age of 82, just before his death, John Newton, his last words, in a message that he preached, he said this. He said, my memory is nearly gone at 82 years of age. He said, my memory is nearly gone. But I remember two things, he said that I'm a great sinner, and that Christ is a great Savior. What amazing grace. We're looking at the first chapter of Romans this morning, and we'll be zeroing in on on, uh, verse 5 through 7. And Paul describes this amazing grace. Let's begin. Starting with verse 5, it says, Through whom we have received grace... An apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. I love the way Paul says that, to you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. I want you to note in verse 5, the first portion of the verse, the word we. Paul is now speaking of all believers, not just himself, but all the believers, those who are truly saved. And Paul views his purpose, God's purpose in Paul's life. Paul views that as an extension or coming out of God's grace. And and Paul means grace in in the widest uh, sense of God's favor. Listen, grace. It's salvation. God's grace means salvation to us. It means guidance. It means wisdom. It it means illumination. The Holy Spirit speaks and guides us. It's through God's grace. And it gives us the ability or power to, to serve. Grace is always an amazing thing to the Apostle Paul. As as we see, if we were to jump ahead in chapter five, in verse twenty, it says, Paul says, Where sin increased grace increased all the more. It's a key message point through all of Paul's letters, this this idea of God's grace. So what is grace? Well, grace is unmerited favor. Uh, We didn't earn it. There's nothing you can do to receive God's grace. It's something that God extends. It's something that God distributes. It's grace. And I want to share with you this morning, based on these few verses, the wonderful blessings of God's grace and what they include. And here's number one. The wonderful blessings of God's grace include his love for us from the beginning. That's a key. Now, Paul wrote a letter to the church in Ephesus. And you find that in a book called Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. And listen to this, verse 4, Ephesians 1, it says, even he made 
even before he made the world, God loved us, chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. And so God's purpose and plan for our life was established very early on. It reminds me of a story of a man who, well, this man struggled with alcoholism and drug addiction, and he lived in the, in the ghetto, and, and uh, many uh, years he would come to a mission to sleep overnight, and, and uh, he would listen to the message from the preacher and, and eat his meal, and he went to bed, and this one night, he didn't realize it, it was his last night, he died. He died poverty-stricken. He, he died friendless. He died never to see another day. What he didn't know was that he had an inheritance of over $4 million waiting for him. Unfortunately, the authorities who were searching for him didn't have an address for this man. So he never realized, he never realized how blessed he was, the ability that he had with the $4 million to probably do whatever he wanted, maybe go to rehab or, or get the help that he needed, uh, it certainly would have been an encouragement. I want to ask you a question. I know money's not important, but if you had $4 million in the bank right now, do you think that would put just a little bit of a smile on your face? It might help you, especially in difficult times that we're experiencing right now. Well, this man was blessed, but he didn't even know it. Did you know that you're, you're blessed? You are blessed. Think about it. Even in the midst of a pandemic, even the, in the midst of political turmoil right now, you and I are blessed. I want you to just pause for a moment and think about God's blessings in your life. Sometimes you just need to stop what you're doing, take a pause, and consider how God is, is blessing you. Look at your blessings. Man, when you start doing that, that changes everything in how you think and your attitude. And it really puts your focus up, up towards the Lord. Think about the blessings that God has blessed you with. It's an amazing thing. God has loved you from the beginning, before all of this, before the creation of this planet. God loved you. That's what God's Word says. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 says, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it. This is really what Paul's writing to his uh, mentee, young Timothy, who he's mentoring. He's encouraging Timothy, and he's saying, he's talking to him about grace. He says, not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time. Let me read that again. Second Timothy, verse uh, 9 of chapter 1, it says, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. It's amazing to think about. God set all this in motion before we even realized it, before we were even born. The wonderful blessings of God's grace include His saving us freely. God saved us freely. Look with me at Romans 
chapter 3, verse 24, it says, Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Now, if you're having a hard time being joyful, being happy, being peaceful, I asked you a question a moment ago. Think about your blessings. Well, this is a blessing that you can think about. If you have Christ in your heart, if you have salvation, you know you're forgiven, you know you have eternal life because you you are saved, you're born again, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, certainly it'll put joy in your heart knowing that God has freed us, you and I, from the penalty of sin. Now look what it says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. That word grace is an interesting word, and I'm going to expand on it in just a minute. But we've been saved by grace through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. So it's, it's nothing that you and I can do to receive God's grace. God's done it for us. It's not so, if it was something that you and I could do, we'd be working towards it, and it would be a works salvation. But the salvation that God extends to us is not a works salvation. It's a gift that he gives to us. All we have to do is receive it. So here's the point. When we have this good news of God's grace flowing in us, we naturally ought to have it flowing out of us. In other words, when you understand you've been saved and what God's done for you, just naturally that that message and that hope, that joy, that peace, that understanding that you've been saved and set free because of God's grace ought to cause you to tell others. I've often said this, when you go to a good restaurant or you've watched a good movie, you've seen something that, uh, or you've experienced something that really brought joy and you had a good time, typically most people share those experiences with their friends. Well, listen, I can't think of a better experience that a human being could have than the experience of receiving forgiveness of sins for past sins, present sins, and sins yet to come. Complete forgiveness for all of those. And not only that, God giving you eternal life because of his love through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. I can't think of, can you, of anything better than that? And so that motivates you and I to share with others. And so that grace that we've received, we just naturally want to let it flow to others and let them know about the love of God. And so one of the wonderful blessings of God's grace includes His, his saving us freely. It's not anything that we've done. There's a natural example of this. When, when I was in Israel last year, it seems like it was 10 years ago, but it was just 2019, just last year. Uh, a natural example of this is the two seas in the Holy Land, the Sea of Galilee, which uh, freely receives and gives out water. There's an inflow and there's an outflow. It receives and it, and it delivers. It receives water and it gives out water. And it has abundant, uh, abundance of life. The Sea of Galilee is amazing. And I was out on the Sea of Galilee with my wife on a boat. It's remarkable. 
it, it, it's filled with life. It's abundant with life. It, uh, nurturing many kinds, different kinds of fish and plant life. And, and the water of the Sea of Galilee is carried by way of the Jordan River to another body of water called the Dead Sea. And so the waters from the Sea of Galilee are carried by the Jordan River to the Dead Sea. The problem with the Dead Sea is it only has an inlet. It receives water, but it doesn't have an outlet. It doesn't give out water. The Dead Sea only takes water in. It doesn't give it out. And, and listen, the Dead Sea has no living plants. It doesn't have any fish in it at all. In fact, when we were at the Dead Sea, um, I'll never forget, you can float in the Dead Sea. It's so thick and filled with salt. The salinity level is so high. I don't know the percentage of salt as compared to the ocean, but it's quite a bit more. You don't even need a life jacket or a, or a wetsuit. The water is so thick and, and you just float in it. Uh, it's very therapeutic. It's good for your skin. But what the problem is, is it smells. There's no living plants. There's no fish. And uh, it's become dead. And it's dead because it only has an inflow. It doesn't have an outflow. Life cannot be sustained if held onto. It must be freely given. See, God's given us life. That's the inflow. There's got to be an outflow for us, for you and I to grow spiritually, for you and I to grow close to the Lord and realize the magnificence, magnificence of God. We have to have an outflow. We need to be telling people about the Lord. We need to be living, not so much communicating verbally, which we should, but the way we live our life and conduct ourselves ought to be an extension of the light of Christ in our life. And so we've got a number of blessings because of God's grace. We, we have, again, let me just repeat, his love for us from the very beginning. God planned it all out, his grace, his mercy. Uh, the wonderful blessings of God's grace include his saving us freely. I just talked about that. And, and now the wonderful blessings of God's grace include his day-by-day care for us his day-by-day -day care for us look with me at philippians chapter 4 verse 19 it says and this same god Paul, paul's written a letter to the church in philippi and he says this same god who takes care of me will supply all my needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in christ jesus the, the same god who takes care of me will supply all your Needs. This is Paul communicating to these young Christians in the church in Philippi. He says, look, God's been taking care of me. You've seen him take care of me. This same God who takes care of me, he's going to meet all your needs. He's going to supply all your needs. And, and it's out of, Paul says, his glorious riches, which have been given to us, Paul says, in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul the apostle closes this introduction, the first seven verses of chapter one. We're in week three, and we're on verse five, six, and seven. So we're chugging through the book of Romans. I told you we were going to go deep. 
Verse 7 says, to all those in Rome who, have, who are loved by God. Listen to that. This is, he's concluding his introduction of this letter. He says, to all those in Rome, and this, remember, Romans, the book of Romans, or the epistle to the Romans, the word epistle means letter. Paul, in this introduction, is letting it be known. It's to the believers in Rome who are loved by God, he says, and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and Lord Jesus Christ. So first, we're, we're loved. Paul says you're loved. He, he's, he has established the fact that, that God loves you. And, and I can't help, when I think of God's love, I cannot help but think of John 3.16. Uh, I've broken it down this way with the help of a commentator that I love, R. Kent Hughes. And he's taken the verse out of the King James Version. Whoa, we went there, huh? King James. King James Version. John 3.16. Let me break it down, or R. Kent Hughes breaks it down. I'm just repeating what he said. For God. And then he says, for God, the greatest lover, so loved, the greatest degree, the world, the greatest company, that he gave, that's the greatest act, his only begotten son, that's the greatest gift, listen to this, that whosoever, that's the greatest opportunity, it's not forced upon you or me, it's an opportunity, believeth, the greatest simplicity. It's just an act of believing unto Jesus. In him, that's the greatest attraction, the him being Jesus, should not perish. That's the greatest promise. But, that's the greatest difference, have the greatest certainty, everlasting life, the greatest possession. Listen, we are loved by God. We need to get used to this, but we should never get over it. We need to get used to the fact that God loves us, but we should never get over it. We should always be excited about it. We should always be mindful of it and thankful and grateful and hopeful. God loves you. He loves you. And and then Paul tells the recipients of this letter, young believers in Rome, he says, your saints. <laughs> and when Paul writes that, he's writing that to all of us. He says, we're called to be saints. How is that even possible? We're not called because we are saints. Let's face the facts. But we are saints because we are called. That's the difference. Let me say that again. We are not called because we are saints but we are saints because we are called. Called by God. And as saints, we're set apart. And being set apart is a word that comes out of the word holiness. Holiness means to be set apart. And, And finally, Paul says, we are recipients of grace and peace. This is huge even in the midst of all that we're going through right now, with the holidays inching up. When I say holidays, I mean Christmas. Merry Christmas. 
When I say holidays, I mean the new year. The holidays are soon to be approaching, and things are different now. People in the past have made plans with family to get together, to be with loved ones, and now we have the challenge of navigating through mandates and and uh, shutdown orders, and it makes it very difficult. And yet, in all of this mess, God can give grace and peace. Listen to me. Paul says, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and the, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. That's verse 7, Romans chapter 1. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And this greeting really bears a poetic kind of flow to it um, of redemption. The regular Greek word for greeting was rejoice. It's haide, okay? Uh, You might pronounce it in English as cher. The regular Jewish greeting was peace, or a word you probably have heard before, shalom. But here Paul combines those two words and then he replaces rejoice with aiade with a similar sounding but far richer word, aiades. It sounds similar, but it's a little different. And that's the word grace. It's actually the word you've heard, charis. It's where we get the word charismatic. It's a rich, deep, Word And so in effect, uh, combining the greetings of the East, the Eastern world and the Western world, he gives the recipients of his letter, these Christians, the greeting of grace and peace. And the two combine naturally and beautifully in cause and effect because when God's grace comes upon us, and takes away our sins and makes us the objects of his favor, God's peace, God's grace just flows in us and out of us. We, you and I, are loved by God. We are saints. We're objects of God's grace and unending favor. That's great news. His peace, God's peace is for you forever. That's what God has done for you. That's how deeply loved you are. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Maybe you haven't experienced the kind of peace and the kind of grace that I've talked about here in Romans chapter 1 that Paul describes in Romans chapter 1. Maybe you're in turmoil right now. And, and that's to be understood with the things that uh, we're all going through. But I want you to know, in the midst of a storm, God can intervene and supernaturally impart to you and to myself His grace and His peace, His amazing grace, His grace amazing. Bow your heads with me. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God touches your heart touches your family, gives you the strength to keep moving forward, to keep focusing on God's goodness, keep serving the Lord, 
keep honoring God in the things that you do, the things that you say. I want to pray for you. Father, right now I pray for everyone who's watching right now, who's part of the service. Lord, I pray that you would touch their heart. God, I pray that you would supernaturally impart your grace and your peace. But more importantly, God, I pray that those who have not tasted of your grace, of your forgiveness, would begin to taste it right now. As your heads are bowed, if you're able to bow your head, you might be listening to us uh, and driving, so I want you to be safe and careful. But as you listen to this prayer, if you've never tasted of God's grace and peace, you can do that right now by giving your heart to Jesus Christ, by making Jesus your Lord and Savior. Would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. I believe in you. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose from the grave. I now make you my master, my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to congratulate you to the family of God. Listen, I, I want to encourage you in what you've just done. And so if you prayed that prayer, or maybe today you rededicated your life to the Lord, would you text the word pray to the number that you see on your screen right now? Text the word pray. And that's going to start a series of back and forth texts between you and I so we can stay in communication. I want to encourage you in your newfound faith, or if you rededicated your life to the Lord, I want to encourage you on your spiritual journey. But listen, if you don't have a Bible, I want to send you a Bible, and I want you to let me know if you need one. And I'm going to reach out to you and ask you if you need a Bible. I've got a new believer's Bible that I would love to send, send you. Well, again, congratulations to the family of God. Don't go anywhere. We're going to worship the Lord. Angels, we 